Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war we experience trauma, it can completely rewire our brains. It can leave us feeling overwhelmed, confused, and isolated. Healing is possible, but to rec reclaim our lives, it requires us to be compassionate with ourselves. We need to explore our feelings, identify patterns and triggers, and find methods that help us to work through our emotions. By understanding the causes of our pain and taking the necessary steps to address them, we can start the journey of healing and begin to move forward in life with greater resilience and strength. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop-down menu. We'd love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today to delve into the topic of trauma and how to heal from it is certified holistic health coach and registered yoga instructor, Eleanor Urso. Eleanor, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm so glad that you're, you're, you could be here today. Now, if you're listening at home and you're thinking to yourself, well, gee, that last name sounds familiar, Urso. Um, it's because Ali, Eleanor is the daughter of an amazing friend and a courageous warrior in this fight, a co-founder of American Frontline Doctors and Global COVID Summit, and also a personal hero of mine, Dr. Richard Urso. So tell me, Eleanor, what is it like to be the daughter of Dr. Richard Urso? That's a good first question, don't you think? Yeah, um, I love him. He, he's a great father, and um, it's a blessing to be his daughter. Oh, precious. Yeah, he is an amazing, absolutely amazing man. Like I said, he is a hero of mine in this fight. But we can start there. Like, you know, when COVID first came about, um, what were your initial thoughts as all of this was coming coming down? What were your thoughts? Because I know that you have some background uh, as we were talking that you were uh, kind of pre-med at some point. So were you doing your own research or were you kind of listening to what your dad was doing? So, um, yeah, I'm happy to cover that. I um, was originally pre-med. I ended up going a different route, um, more on the lines of preventative medicine and studying holistic health. Um, and around the time COVID had happened, I had spent about a year studying virology and the impacts different viruses can have on our bodies um, over a period of time. So they can lead to chronic illnesses. 
um, by the time COVID happened, I had been studying for a year. And then when this new virus was introduced, I was going towards to my parents or other people who were at a higher level to me um, to understand more about what was going on. And I remember it being very confusing. There was a lot of contradictory information out there. Um, there was a lot of fear. Um, like we didn't know what was what to do, how it was spreading, its impact. And I remember feeling very fearful. But I also knew after studying virology, when I was studying it, um, I'll tell you a story. I was studying about shingles, for example. And actually, while I was studying it, I ended up developing shingles. <laughs> And they actually study this in medical school. Um, You can get, you know, different illnesses that you end up studying. So the mind is very powerful. It's not everything, but it is definitely something to consider when you are studying illness. Um, But I knew also that you know, after studying different viruses, there's many out there. I lived in a state of fear even before COVID. And I watched how much that alone impacted my immune system. So by the time that COVID came around and, you know, we were learning more about what was going on, I remember that I had to make a conscious effort of reminding myself not to live in a state of fear, irregardless of the unknown or what was going on. And I think that that was the biggest lesson I had taken away from that year of studying virology and my own experience of it. So by the time COVID happened, I was looking to my elders and others who had, you know, more understanding of what was going on and asking them for advice. And one of them being my father, another being my mother, who um, is on the leadership team at MD Anderson. And she was giving me the advice of what the the government was telling her in the hospital. And that information was contradictory each day. There was a new, you know, what you should do or what you shouldn't do. So that to me was concerning. Um, And that's when then I did my own research and decided to come to, you know, try to make my own conclusions about what I wanted to do with the epidemic. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're right. Everything that was coming down when I was in the hospital was very contradictory and it really flew in the face of everything that we've long known to be true as far as viruses, um, immunology. So nothing made sense to me. I can remember they just would have us wearing these same N95 masks. We're going from our COVID room, non COVID rooms and always wearing the same masks when, you know, infection control policies don't allow for that. And all of a sudden it was okay. So it were policies like that that just really flew in the face of, of everything um, that that we've always done that really started me on the road to asking questions. But I will say, so I, I was an ICU nurse and I talk about this a lot also, like pre-COVID even, I started to become really disillusioned um, and w- with with nursing in the ICU because it was very depressing. And the reason why was that so much of what we saw come through those doors, maybe probably I would wager a guess at about 85, maybe 90% of everything we saw come through those doors of the ICU was completely preventable 
with lifestyle modifications. Do you find that to be true as well as far as chronic illness and the rise in chronic illness that we are seeing? Absolutely. I, I remember I took a nutrition course, um, actually my freshman year. And in that course, we found out that the top eight out of you know, 10 leading causes of death were preventable with um, dietary and lifestyle modifications. And with the people and the different illnesses I see today, absolutely. Yeah, we would see a lot of, you know, of type two diabetes, a lot of congestive heart failure, um, you know, things like that, that, you know, if just diet, simple dietary changes really could have prevented that. So I know that we're going to talk a little bit today about just some kind of simple, easy things that people can start doing. Um, I think that people are disillusioned into thinking that they have to, you know, join some, um, you know, program or a gym. There are simple things that you can do every day to start improving your health. And I would love to cover a little bit of that. And then I know we're going to talk a little bit also about um, trauma today. So I think we'll do that in the second half of the show. If you want to just talk a little bit about, you know, just what are some ways, some simple changes, small changes. And you know um, that I am kind of here in Texas on my own personal health and wellness journey. And it's really about being intentional, right? And making these small changes every day. So I would love to hear from you um, some thoughts on what are some of those changes that people can do. Absolutely. So you don't have to do anything super drastic or expensive to um, alter your health in a in a positive way. Um, simply breathing exercises, slowing down your breath, breathing from your lower belly. That's something that will calm your nervous system back down. Um, I think the biggest impact that I saw with COVID actually was just the amount of stress that it caused Um myself and, and almost everyone around me and the world at large, it was a very, it is a very stressful topic. And um, so the biggest things you can do would be to eat a whole foods plant-based diet or not plant-based. You can do um, a whole foods diet and that can be a range from plant-based all the way up to, you know, keto or paleo, as long as it's whole foods, non-synthetic ingredients. Um, that's one thing. Another thing you can do is mo simple movements like walking or stretching mobility exercises for your spine and your joints. Um, another thing you can do is you know, simple moments where you're breathing and you're relaxing yourself, that's stress management. Um, also looking, you know, having some source of community, um, people, a support network that is really helpful as well. Um, so always like reaching out to friends and family. Um, another thing you can do is you know, make sure you get, go outside once a day for a good amount of time, either touch some grass, you can ground your feet into the ground or um, just walking around your neighborhood is another thing. Uh, getting adequate rest. So going to bed on a kind of a consistent schedule. Um, that's another thing that is really, really helpful. And this all improves your ability to handle stress 
and be more resilient to whatever life throws at you. And then also to improve your immune system. So we can't really, you know, we've been, humans have been coexisting with viruses and bacteria for as long as we've been around. Actually, the powerhouse of the cell, the mitochondria, it was a bacteria. So we have coexisted with these things for many years. The best thing that you can do to avoid illness later on is to take care of yourself today. And yeah, it is with just daily practices, daily mindful practices around your health of getting enough rest, getting enough sunshine, um, getting movement, stretching, breathing properly, um, eating well, nutrient dense foods, not eating too much, um, and relaxing and enjoying your life with your friends and family, having a, a community of support network. Yeah, and that's really something that they really tried to steal from us with COVID. That was one of the saddest consequences to me was the way that they isolated people away from uh, their family, especially our, our vulnerable communities, our, um, our elderly and, and the children were, you know, they were isolated, the children were isolated from their peers, the elderly were isolated from their families, um, not allowed to see their grandchildren or children um, for fear that they were going to get this virus. And, and I will say, you know, viruses, like when did when you know immunology 101 right viruses bacteria these are the building blocks of our immune system and it's like all of a sudden we were to have no exposure whatsoever to anything and it, none of that ever made any sense to me the masks that really don't work and there's science behind the fact that the masks don't work um but you know all of these all of these policies that really kind of just stole our our community i think that was the saddest consequence of COVID, and I'm, I'm happy to see people starting to build that again and really bridging that gap so i think that a great way um, to do that as you mentioned earlier is kind of uh, getting out and enjoying life going you don't have to walk by yourself call up a friend call up a friend go out and get some sun uh, you know sun on your face sun on your chest get that vitamin d and it's so so crucially important and just to have that time and that fellowship with one another is uh, is such a big deal as far as our health goes yeah absolutely um and then also i mean with the sunshine it's not only um vitamin d but it improves your ability to absorb every single nutrient yes. um it completely changes you know how your body functions, your entire endocrine system changes just with getting a little bit of sunshine. Sunshine, however, it is good to do it in the morning or you know when you wake up. That will regulate your circadian rhythm, and then at night, that's another good time. Sometimes midday, especially if you're in the south or somewhere very sunny, um, can be a little bit much. But definitely, community is. You know, they've studied places like the blue zones and really they're, the diets can be very varied, their whole foods diets, but um, community is probably one of the biggest things that um, really defines these places. And these places are, they're called the blue zones. They're where the longest living people exist, um, like the most amount of centarians. Um, people living over a hundred 
And really they find that these people are living low stress lives and they have a lot of community. They're not living to work. They're working, they're working to live. Yeah. Exactly. You know, talking about chronic illness and the prevalence of chronic illness that we are seeing in this country. And I don't know what your thoughts are. Now, I came into this kind of, you know, uh, unexpectedly. I call myself an accidental activist, you know, as kind of a nurse. And I wasn't, I get called an anti-vaxxer quite a bit. Um, I did not come into this fight anti-vax. I was uh, pro-vaccine. I wasn't militantly pro-vaccine, but I was pro-vaccine, and I thought that they were, um, you know, were were good. Uh, you know, it was something that we just have ingrained in us, I guess, as nurses, that you know, vaccine the and the only education that we get is safe, effective, and necessary. That is the only education that we ever receive on vaccines. I think that's probably true for many physicians as well, actually. Um, but I came in to this having had all of my vaccines. My child had all of his vaccines. Now, today, if you ask me if I were pro-vaccine, the answer is absolutely not. I started to do a lot of research that I hadn't done before, and I really should have. And what I found was really compelling, and that's the incidence of things like chronic illness in children, like health outcomes for uh, children vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And the evidence there was compelling when you look at things like autism that has a rate of, I believe it's now one in uh, 36 children are on the spectrum. And going back, you know, just a few decades ago, this, you know, was maybe one in tens of thousands, if not more. So something's changed, right? We now have nearly, when we add COVID in, we're gonna have nearly 100 shots on the CDC schedule. So it really begs the question, are the vaccines doing more harm than good? There's no evidence, um, despite you know all of this propaganda that's thrown in our face, there's no evidence that vaccines have ever decreased mortality of any disease. That comes from clean water systems, and every physician knows that. So I, I guess my question to you is, if were you pro-vaccine coming into this, and what are your feelings now, and do you think that the vaccines could potentially be um, contributing to these chronic illnesses? Yes, that's a great question, Kimberly. Um, So before COVID happened, I actually hadn't fully gone down the rabbit hole of whether vaccines were safe or not. Um, A lot of people that I had been studying holistic health with were mothers actually, who were brought into holistic health because their children, specifically their newborns usually, had become severely ill from, you know, post having uh, their vaccinations. And so it really wasn't until there's a lot of different rabbit holes you can kind of go down in the holistic health coaching field, but the vaccine's doing investigation into there really felt um, a little too intense for me. So it wasn't until, or incontroversial. I didn't really want to go down that rabbit hole until COVID happened or, and I I didn't even need to, because I had already also had all my vaccines growing up. Um, I went to private school and it was a requirement in order to study uh, that we had our vaccines, uh, that we were up to date on our vaccines. Um, so pretty much, I think my last vaccine was when I was 
18 for HPV. Um, my parents were pro-vax growing up as well. Um, then when COVID happened, um, I finally went down the rabbit hole of, okay, now I need to decide what I want to do with this vaccination and how I want to proceed further. And I need to do my due diligence of doing the research and studying for myself um, because that's what I believe actually everyone should do. We should not leave our health in the hands of you know, anyone outside of ourselves. These are people who can guide us, doctor, doctors and and health coaches and, and government officials. But at the end of the day, it's our personal responsibility, each of us to take you know, our health into our own hands. Um, and so once COVID happened, I started doing more research and I found this book called We Want to Live by Ogenus von der Planets. And in that book, he was one of the first people to really start talking about these vaccines and their impact on autism and other chronic health issues. And so once I really started doing the research, I um, decided that for me and with this vaccination, I also in talking with my father and my mother and other uh, practitioners, I decided not to go forward with um, having the vaccine, especially in that first year when it was so felt so experimental. Um, and then at this point, after doing more research into even how we've uh, done our previous vaccinations, I also too would say, and then my my studies into virology and um, studies into viruses and bacteria, I would say that, um, no, I am not pro-vax at this point, and I don't recommend them. And um, But to each person, it's their own decision. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. You know, I think, and people will say all the time, well, you're not going to recommend these vaccines. I'm, you know, I'm not. But what I do recommend is that people do their own research. As you said, um, and, and you said it perfectly, you know, we are merely here to be guides. You know, our health is our own responsibility and we cannot leave it in the hands of doctors or nurses because I can tell you, I've, listen, I've been in healthcare. I hate to say it's longer than you've been alive and that just makes me feel awful right now i'm awfully old but it's true and um physicians are not doing this independent um, and the majority of them are not doing this independent research on these vaccines i never did either we always just assumed that those people in that realm were doing their due diligence and that wasn't happening you know that wasn't happening and a lot of us didn't realize it so if there is a silver lining to covid it is certainly that so many of us in this process have woken up to that that you cannot leave it in the hands of another physician or another uh, nurse because honestly the way that the system is designed it's designed in such a way that there's no time for these physicians to do any research there just isn't. They are hurting their patients in, or the most of them are in corporate medicine and are hurting their patients in. You know, every they think they have like seven minutes to see a patient now. And um, there are so many, you know, roads we can go down with how you're not getting effective care in seven minutes. You, you're lucky if your physician is going to remember your name in seven minutes. So. I think that that's a great point um, that we are merely here to be guides and it is our own individual responsibility and we have got to be accountable for our own health. So those are great points. So, no, thank you.
It is important, important though, to find people that you trust, um, to help guide you because the health space is, uh, it's very important. And it's also, there's a lot of misinformation out there and it is difficult to navigate. So finding, you know, whether that's a doctor with a white coat or, you know, whomever it is that you trust to guide you, that you do find a resource. Um, Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I'm so passionate about what we're doing with remnant nursing and and, uh, creating this space where we are having advocates, we're having nurses and health coaches and physicians um, who are, you know, offering data. And these are not opinions. These are data and they're based on facts and science. And then we are, you know, assisting people in that realm where they may not understand and we're providing the education, we're informing them and, you know, we're advocating them and uh, for them. And in doing so, we're empowering them to be accountable for their own health. Absolutely. I think a lot of actually uh, being a holistic health coach is education. Um, and even in, in yoga teacher training or a lot of the different jobs I've had, it, a lot of it is education. Yeah, and I think a lot, you're you're absolutely right. I, I would say about ninety percent of everything you know is is education and changing the mindset of people. Like a lot of people are insistent on the old model um, of insurance and all of that, and I think that it's just ninety percent changing the mindset and making people realize that it's about prevention. You know, we can't get behind the eight ball. We've got to start taking care of our health now because many times later on, it's too late. It's absolutely. And the again, I think at this point, it's even more than eight out of the top 10 leading causes of death are preventable. There's a lot of different things that you can do. We already touched on it that today that will prevent dire health care costs later on and potentially save you and your loved one's lives. And it's really, it's such a simple habits, um, but it's really your habits that are going to define where you're going. Um, yeah. And it is, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for, I get it. And it's, it's very, there's the culture in this country um, is very, you know, the, the serving sizes, uh, you know, on our food and our diet, the, the um, American diet, the standard American diet or sad as we like to call it, because it is very sad. Um you know, it does not lend to healthy lifestyle. It just doesn't. No, I think we're actually set up in a society in which we're bound to fail. Unless you, you go against the grain. There's a fast food joint on almost every corner. There are still food deserts where, you know, you have to pay extra in order to not have your food. You know, you have to not be, um, you know, have pesticides, herbicides, fungicides just written on it and, you know, the organic, you have to pay a price, but you can either pay the farmer now or the doctor later. Oh, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Pay the farmer now. Um, the doctor. I've always loved that. Um, but it's so true. It's, it's absolutely a hundred percent true. And I think again, COVID is really, oh, in, in many ways has been a blessing uh, that it's opened so many eyes and uh, people are actually starting to pay attention to the fact that, hey, you know what? The government might not have our best interests at heart. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we come back, we're gonna talk more and uh, delve into that topic of trauma. 
but America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network, and you can listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7, Great Talk Radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order risk-free love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations americaoutloud.com seven amazing years we know that if america fails the world will fail it is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. 
MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with Certified Holistic Health Coach and Registered Yoga Instructor, Eleanor Urso. Eleanor, thank you again for being here with me today. Thank you again so much for having me, Kimberly. Absolutely. So, you know, before the break, we talked a little bit about chronic illnesses. We've talked about just simple everyday things that people can do to improve their health and really prevent illnesses. But, you know, I think I really want to talk about something that you are focused on in in your uh, practice is um, trauma and helping people to deal with trauma. And I know, you know, I've, many of my listeners know, because I've been very open about that. I've had a a trauma recently, uh, several months ago, and that is something you and I have spoken about uh, that I've not really dealt with it, or I'm just beginning to deal with that trauma. And unresolved trauma, it really does rewire our brains. So I would love to kind of touch on that a little bit with you. And let's talk about um, some ways that we can start to heal from these traumas. Yeah. So I think with any illness, we have to think of the person as a whole. We have to think about healing on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Um, And trauma really is not necessarily what happened to you, the, the experience or the event. It's actually the impact of that event on the individual. So in that sense, you do have control over healing, you know, from trauma is it's not, if it was an event, you can't really control whether that event happened or not, you know, a a war or an epidemic. We don't have control over these things, but we have control of their impact on us and our response to these things. So a lot of what I try to teach people about is resiliency and responding to events rather than reacting. So um, there's a lot of different things that you can do to begin to heal trauma. And we kind of already touched on some of them. And these things are really just little things that can help you with your health overall. And that is having a support network, somebody that you trust um, to validate your experience first and then help you process uh your emotional experience as well and then um move forward and let it go and there's a different there's a lot of different um ways you can move through that process and find healing and um part of it too is also learning how to relax the body back down because usually after trauma, um, your nervous system is going to go into a state of fight, flight, freeze, fawn. These are all um, responses to trauma. Um, 
And this is a thing though, that I found with trauma is that we seem to acknowledge physical trauma uh, really well as a society. Oh, you are handicapped because you broke your leg. We all then, you know, consider this person and, and uh, acknowledge their experience and they're, they're thus then handicapped from going through a physical injury. I think us as a society are still struggling to, you know, admit that if you go through an emotionally, mentally, spiritually traumatizing event, um, you are then still need to go through the healing process and are partially handicapped by that experience. If you don't fully move through it, trauma does have, and they've even, like you said, monitored it with brain scans. It does have a physical impact on the brain neurochemistry. So we can monitor it, but it also has an impact on every single other facet of the individual. So first, I think we as individuals and then families and communities and society as a whole need to acknowledge and validate that mental and emotional and spiritual traumas are equally as valid as physical traumas and need to be, um, the person needs to go through a healing process in order to, you know, and it takes time usually, and also uh, working potentially with a practitioner, reaching out to others for support and and, um, having compassion with yourself in the process that it's not necessarily going to be an overnight experience um, of just being, you know, having this trauma and then healing from it immediately. Um, so there's a lot of different things. I think, you know, I think almost 70% of children go through at least one, uh, traumatic event. And, um, this, these, they call them childhood, uh, adverse events. And the more that you accumulate actually of those experiences, the worse your health is going to be later on down the line. And they've done studies on this. So absolutely mental, emotional trauma, it can impact your physical uh, being. Yeah. Like changing the neurochemistry, also weakening your immune system, giving you digestive problems. Um, and all these things have a cascade effect on your endocrine system, which then impacts you as a whole. So that's why every illness, usually we have to think about them on the terms of physical, how do we help the person heal physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Yeah. I know for myself with, you know, after my trauma, it really did just kind of change. It affected a lot of things, but I would try to just kind of push it off to the side and really just kind of try to push forward and move on because there was, you know, oh, there's so much work to do in the movement. And there's all of these things that we're trying to get, get up and running with remnant nursing, with Nurse Freedom Network that I really didn't feel like I had time to deal with my trauma. But unfortunately, it it has affected everything on, you know, on a level of like, you know, I I don't feel like I can focus as well, for example, um, where I was once a very, you know, detail oriented, very highly organized ICU nurse, right? So very detail oriented, highly organized, sometimes I feel like, just so scattered. Like, I don't even know where to start my day at times. And 
that's something that I'm struggling with trying to get back because it's everything in my being is very like I'm very type A. I'm very regimented and you know I'm a list maker and I like to I get so much satisfaction off of checking off a list. It's ridiculous. But you know, I feel like I, I'm I'm almost not that person anymore. And I don't know that could be that could potentially be um, you know, effects of just my age. It could be, you know, the the season of life I'm in with menopause, who knows, you know, hormonal changes. But I think that a lot of it has to do with this trauma. Would you agree with that? That that's probably something that's affecting those areas and parts of my life. Absolutely. The the brain changes where you no longer are using your prefrontal cortex when you are going through a trauma. And if that trauma also gets triggered, you can go through that same experience where then your executive functioning no longer exists and you're in that state of fight or flight. And that's what I talked about earlier was, you know, fear and how important it is to get your body back into a state of relaxation and, and homeostasis um, so that you can tap back into your executive functioning, which allowed us to, as a species, do all these great things. But if you're in a state of fight or flight, for whatever reason, maybe something happened to you, or you're worried about your bills, or putting food on the plate, um, you know, all these things, your body, we still kind of have basically like ancient tech, our bodies don't evolve as quickly as the next iPhone. Um, So we have to kind of treat our bodies that although we're living in a very modern world and things are going to continue to change and revolutionize with technology, we have to remind ourselves that we're still living with a body that is ancient tech. And when we get these signals from our society that we are in danger, we go into our amygdala and then our prefrontal cortex shuts off and it's fight or flight and we no longer can executive function as well as we could if we were in a relaxed body. So that's why managing your stress is so important because a lot of different physiological changes happen in the body and in the brain when you're in a state of fight or flight. And so with trauma um, in particular though, is that because we ignore it, we don't treat the individual. And so they don't fully acknowledge themselves that, okay, I've gone through this experience. I need to consciously now train my body to go back into a state of being safe, feeling calm. And that's why things like yoga or or breath work or meditation, um, or even, uh, small movements that make you feel, um, bring you back to your body and relax the nervous system are so important and also engaging with community and or other people who are trained in helping people deal with trauma. I think what I've also seen with trauma is that there aren't very many people who um, even have the skill set to address these kinds of problems. And I think we're trained as a society too to ignore them. And I think that that's part of the reason why we do have a mental health crisis and that we do have so many homeless because we're not properly treating trauma. And so people are living in a state of fear, acting irrationally, um, thinking it's me versus you. And that's really because they're in their uh, fight or flight animal body amygdala response. 
Yeah, I think that's so true. And I will tell you that I, I feel like I have been in a constant state of fight or flight for probably the last nearly three years since all of this happened because I've been so stressed, you know, walking away from my career, um, wondering how, how I was going to pay the bills, um, not having an income, you know, just that alone is extremely stressful and has kept me in a state of fight or flight and just fighting back every day against the narrative and speaking out and, you know, being ostracized by family, by friends, by society and by the medical community has been really incredibly stressful to me. But then add on to that, the, um, the personal uh, traumas that I've been through. So, you know, getting out of this state of fight or flight is something that I really need to work on. Um, because I mean, I, I, you know, I'm very concerned about my, my physical health is starting to take a turn as well. So um, I think any what are you what are your ideas as far as for me personally, like, we'll just pretend everybody else isn't listening. But <laughs> what are your ideas for me? Like, what can I do right now to start reclaim like getting myself out of this fight or flight? What's step, so, what's step one? Yeah, um, I think it would be to, we can go back to even those daily habits that we were talking about before of first thing you do in the morning, rather than look at your phone and which is usually a reminder of all of our responsibilities, all of our problems, because we all work with our phones now, um, is just waking up and, uh, either getting some sunlight or doing some calming breath work and reminding yourself of what you're grateful for. And um, so little things like that can really shift the mind um, and starting your day off, not, not even having any coffee yet, usually uh, wait a little bit because that will also uh, bring in cortisol. So other things you can do are little movements. So you can do some stretching, um, or go for a walk. That's another really good morning activity that, um, will reset the nervous system. And then, um, making sure you have your regular meals. So you're signaling to your body again, you're safe. When we do too much fasting, we can actually trigger the body into a stress state. So kind of like you need to treat yourself like you do have, um, a physical injury, you need to rest more, drink more fluids, um, be kind and gentle to your body, reach out for support, kind of coddle yourself like um, if you had had a physical injury and, and rest more. Um, when we are resting, I think that's actually one of the first things that gets affected. A lot of people, I think, with insomnia really have um, unprocessed trauma that they're still struggling with. So um, other things you can do are to yeah, rest and eat a nutrient dense diet. So your body's getting proper nutrients to help you uh, process and heal again, um, kind of similar to like, if you had a broken leg and then so yoga, meditation, breath work, those can be helpful. And then there's also, you know, different alternative therapies, um, that can reset the nervous system that they've been doing studies on. There are, um, you know, there's different people I know who, who've suffered trauma, who've gone through ketamine therapy or, um, you know, 
different dosages with uh, psychedelic mushrooms under a physician's care. And these things can also help to reset the nervous system as well. Yeah, because when we go to, you know, our our normal, like our family practitioners, let's say, or even like a psychologist, psychiatrist, it seems like the first thing they turn to is the prescription pad um, for, you know, antidepressant or any, you know, of these different uh, drugs that they can put us on, which in my opinion, just, and I'm not saying that medication is not indicated in certain cases. I'm sure, you know, there, there are some circumstances where medication is necessary, but I don't believe that it should be our go-to. I don't think it should be the first thing that we try. I always feel like that medication should be a last resort. Have we tried everything else? Have we tried, you know, going for a walk, getting some sunshine, changing our diet, even just changing your diet can make such a huge difference and a big impact. But I, I feel like in Western medicine, that just doesn't happen. We're just always going directly for the prescription pad. And that is just creating more problems down the line and and contributing again to the chronic illness. We can't blame it all on vaccines because I think a majority of it is also from prescription medications as well. And then like we've discussed, just poor lifestyle um, and, and eating habits, nutritional habits. Yes. Unfortunately, um, some of these medications you know, they're not, I'm not against it either. I think that they can help manage symptoms while you're working through getting to the root cause of the problem. And that's absolutely okay. We want everyone, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us don't have the ability to, to, you know, take time away from our jobs and society to rest and recover from the different things that happen to us. And so, you know, definitely, uh, medications can help, but they also usually have, when you go the quick fix, they usually have some sort of, you know, negative side effect that might come later or, you know, in that moment of, a, you know, giving you a side effect while you're on the medication or as you try to wean off of it. Um, and I don't think that these things are usually properly discussed with patients um, of really the implications of what this medication might do to their body um, here or later. It's not discussed long-term side effects and not discussed short-term side effects. It's just, oh, you have these symptoms. I, hey, this, this medication, that'll, this will work for that. And it's unfortunate to me, like you said, you know, it's okay to be on medication and it can help with symptoms, but the goal should always be to decrease to wean off and come and stop this medication at some point while we're implementing these changes right and i don't feel like that's happening i feel like the doctor is just prescribing the medicine with like no end in sight to or no plan to to wean these patients off of it is that kind of what your experience has been as well absolutely there's usually not very much talk of these are the side effects of this medication these are the this is what it would take in order for you to wean off of it. And yeah, these are the long-term consequences. These are the other options you have. You know, that's the thing is I'm not against allopathic medicine. I, both of my parents are medical physicians and, and I respect them and their field wholeheartedly. Um, however, why I went a different route was because I felt like given my own, I had health problems growing up. And then also given my own sensibilities that 
I wanted to give people another option. And so you can integrate both of them. You can do allopathic with holistic and alternative medicine. Um, There is no one path to healing. Um, Just as each person is unique, their path to back to health is going to be unique. And that's why I said earlier, it's um, really nice to have a coach or somebody to work with that can help you guide you in that process. But at the end of the day, it's your journey and you need to be the one dictating which direction you're going to go in. Absolutely. That's so true. That's so true, Ellie. And I think that the the most important thing is realizing that, you know, I, again, Western medicine, it, it, it does have a place and it is really about having the information, the education, and then making the individual making that decision on which route they want to take. Um, and it could be like, as you said, in a, a combination of both uh, integrative medicine is is certainly the way that I lean at this point, because I'm still, you know, I came very up from a very allopathic background, um, learning more about holistic health, uh, functional medicine, I've just been trained in functional medicine. So um, I am using, you know, integrative um, techniques with most of the clients that we are working with. So it definitely has a place, but it's like we want to lay out both paths for people, give them the pros and cons and all of the information. And at the end of the day, it is their decision to make. And that's what autonomy is. And that's what as nurses, that's what we support or historically, that is what we have supported. Yeah. And I'm gratefully the the practices that you would take to heal today not only will heal you today but they're going to not have negative consequences now or in the future if anything they're going to improve your overall longevity and quality of life absolutely well i i agree with that wholeheartedly and eleanor i'm so glad and thankful that you came on to talk about this uh, important topic like i said this is something that we don't talk about enough and I, I love getting this information out to our listeners who might be dealing with similar uh, traumas. So we're going to and we'll uh, get you know some information on how they can connect with you in our show notes, as well as some other resources. We will uh, make sure that that is available. But we'd love to have you back again. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you all for listening. Absolutely. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And again, you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for the truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.